As 2021 draws to a close, we share some highlights from interviews over the year on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. At this year's ISMG New York Summit, we were honoured to have Senator Angus King grace our virtual studios. Tom Field, our VP of Editorial, asked Senator King what he thought about US President Biden's executive order and subsequent response to it. Here's what he said. I think it's a step in the right direction. I was positive, but I think it needs to go further. The missing piece that we really haven't talked about too much is deterrence. We can have great cyber hygiene, good patching. Everybody keeps track of their systems. We can do all of that, but we cannot patch our way to invulnerability. We just can't. And there has to be, in my view, a deterrent element where adversaries realize that if they attack us in cyberspace, there's going to be a response and it will be a serious one and it will impose costs. One of the problems, as I see it, and I've you know, sitting through all these hearings in armed services and intelligence is that we're a cheap date in cyber. The adversary doesn't, you know, they don't worry too much about it. They, they don't worry about getting whacked back. And until we get them to the point where it affects their calculus, that's where we got to get. That's where I think the president and the executive has to take a stronger position. And it's got to be declaratory. It's got to be public. You know, it, it's, it's no good if, if it's a you know, we have this secret capacity and we're not going to tell you. That's like, you know, Dr. Strangelove. If you've got the doomsday machine, it doesn't work as a deterrent unless people know about it. I think that's a major part of the next step. The best cyber attack is the one that doesn't occur. And right now, if they're sitting in the Politburo in the, in the Kremlin and somebody says, well, let's go after the 2022 elections, the response is, yeah, why not? It doesn't cost much. During a committee meeting, I did a outback the envelope calculation. Putin can hire 8,000 hackers for the cost of one jet aircraft. Holy smoke. Why wouldn't you use the cyber tool unless you're concerned that it will engender a response that will harm you in some way? And it, it may be cyber. It may be something else. It may be really heavy sanctions. But there has to be a cost imposed, in my view, in order to try to get to a place where this isn't such a constant threat. Now, having said all that, that theory of deterrence doesn't work very well for terrorists, for third-party actors. So that has to be part of our strategy, too. Right now, we're all talking about state actors and gangs. But when we get to terrorists getting this capability, that's a whole different order of magnitude. And it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. And that's something we have to prepare for as well. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The pace of ransomware attacks hasn't stopped in 2021. Earlier this year, executive editor Matthew Schwartz spoke with Fabian Fozar, CTO of security firm MCSoft, about how to respond if your organization gets hit. Matt, Fabian's advice continues to seem highly relevant. Indeed. It's a question that every organization should be asking themselves now. If we get hit by ransomware, how can we tell, hopefully before the systems get crypto locked? And regardless, what do we do next? Now, Fabian is on the forefront of dealing with ransomware, tracking ransomware gangs, and also helping organizations respond 
in a variety of ways. His advice continues to be so relevant. So here's an excerpt from what Fabian told me. So the first thing they should do is kind of isolate the affected systems from their network. Uh, the last thing you want to do is kind of, yeah, the infection spreading to other systems. Uh, nowadays, especially uh, when you get hit by larger ransomware, uh, yeah, kind of larger ransomware groups, they already did their homework and made sure that they had access to all the systems at the time they pulled the trigger for the ransomware. So it probably doesn't do much, but it's still like a good precaution to take. Now, the next step is kind of figuring out how they got in. Um, now, most companies probably won't have the resources um, to and, and the knowledge and experience to kind of trace back the steps and figure out how exactly the attackers access the network in the first place. And so that's usually where you probably should talk to your insurance providers if you do have a cyber insurance or, or go and look for digital forensic and incident response companies who can help you with that task. The next step after that is kind of make sure that your backups are secure. Um, and it's absolutely important that you don't access those uh, backup servers using any of the already uh, kind of compromised infrastructure. The reason being is that sometimes ransomware is still running on there and the moment you kind of connect a new external hard disk or the moment you kind of connect to uh, to different network and mount like backup volumes, for example, they will readily go and encrypt your backups as well. Now, in most cases nowadays, unfortunately, uh, it's also the case that, as I, as I said again, the cyber criminals did their homework and they compromised your backups like long before they deployed the ransomware, so the backups are most likely unusable, but it's still kind of best practice. Now, from there, it all kind of depends. Like, do you still have like working backups? In that particular case, you can probably get away with just notifying the authorities about the breach. You kind of have to keep in mind that every single ransomware incident and ransomware breach is also essentially a data breach, since some unauthorized people had access to uh, potentially very critical and uh, data uh, of, of your clients, for example. So um, yeah, reach out to the ICO, for example, uh, here, here in the UK or whatever the data protection uh, organization uh, is in, in your particular country. And also like a very, very important thing, please do report it to uh, law enforcement. Um, it's always very shocking to me when my team and I kind of find the origin servers of ransomware and we know that, oh yeah, this, this server is located in this country and we reach out to the law enforcement agencies in that particular country and they tell me, oh yeah, we can't do anything because nobody has reported anything. And without a report, a lot of these law enforcement agencies have no authority to act at all. So please do report it. Um, now, if you do have backups, try to recover uh, everything from the uh, from backups. If also your backups got hit, or you or, or the attackers exfiltrated a lot of data, so they not only express uh, uh, kind of ransom you for access to your data, but also threaten you to release that data. That's the point where uh, a lot of companies kind of start to consider paying the ransoms. Um, and I know there are like a lot of different kind of views when it comes to whether or not you sh should pay ransom. Obviously, if you can avoid it at all costs, please do. 
because your ransom payment essentially is financing the uh, operation that hits the next couple of victims. And it's like kind of this endless perpetual cycle where people have to pay ransoms in order for their companies not to go under. But in turn, you also condemn other companies to like a similar fate, right? So Fabian also emphasized in his interview with me that it's up to a business if they are going to pay a ransom. Sometimes you need to do so, otherwise you are going to go out of business, unfortunately. But he said, if you simply must pay, please do several things first. First, reach out to security firms. Security firms like MZSoft and others occasionally will come up with a way to work around a piece of ransomware so they can get you out of jail, maybe not for free, but for a lot less than if you had to pay your attacker. If that's not available, he strongly, strongly recommends working with professional negotiators. These negotiators will have databases of the threat actors. They'll know who's likely to pay or not. They'll know what the range of ransom payment tends to be. Obviously, ransomware attackers attack a lot of organizations. Typically, ransomware victims won't have, hopefully, paid a lot of attackers before. So you see the imbalance. Working with negotiators gives a victim a leg up when it comes to responding and hopefully getting to where they need to get to as quickly and painlessly or least amount of pain as possible. And finally, back in September at ISMG's virtual London Summit, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Claudia Natanson, Chair of the Board of Trustees at the UK Cybersecurity Council. She had a word of caution to organizations, beware the hidden business risks. Here she is. When we work across security, we think of three pillars. We have the first pillar, that's where a lot of the technology and the tin is, to design, run, build and maintain. And the second one is assurance. So we come and make sure that, assure that you are executing security the way that will make it safe. And then the third one is about audit and how we oversee everything we're doing. What happens is many times they put security with the technology, in the technology stack, and a number of things can happen. Technology is, is not cheap, it's expensive. And so they have a lot of problems they themselves have to cope with. Security sitting in there, then hidden, is where the hidden comes. They get chopping budget. So by chopping technology and not recognizing that, well, security is already sitting in there. You just kill security and you didn't even realize that. So that hidden risk is there. And then what happens sometimes is that security folks sitting in the technology staff, because we have a technical background as well, they get drawn in to be used in the IT stack. So you're de depleting the real security assurance and the guarding and the mere cat that we're overlooking. So now we become slowly drawn into IT. And in COVID, with reduced um, numbers, what happened is that more security people got pulled to be doing IT and there was less eyes on security. And that's why the number of breaches rose tremendously. So that hidden risk is that you have to be very, very careful when you put security to sit in an area where you know you're going to have these cuts without looking and remembering that we're there because security is a business issue. It always impacts the business line, the revenue line. That's what gets impacted when security goes wrong. You can just see it even in those areas today of breaches is the revenue line. 
That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney, wishing you all a very happy and healthy new year. Thank you.